welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam, hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. With questions and participants from all around the world. Anthony Edwards! Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show right now, and you can get The Athletic for $1 a month for 12 months. That's the best deal that you're going to see. You better go get it before midnight of this coming Monday. And it gives us a little bit of credit if you go to theathletic.com slash NBA show too. So it's good for everybody. Great content, all for free. You can even listen to this podcast without ads on the Athletic app if you're going to do that. And remember, it's our best deal of the year. Won't get any better than this. And just like things won't get better than this, Al, we're going to talk about all the good things in the NBA and maybe some bad things and maybe some weird things uh, with some quarterly awards. It's been a quarter of the season, Al. Been a quarter of the season. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, most teams will have played around 20 games. 25% of the way in the season. Can you believe that, Andrew? That's wild. Time time has flown by. And we thought we'd come up with some awards to give out. Now, we haven't given these a name. I don't know if we should call them the Slammies or something. Or the, the Slammies. I like the Slammies, yeah. The Slammies. Welcome okay. to the so Slammies. The, welcome to the Slammies. So, we've got about... 15 awards to give out today, give or take. We'll see how many we get through. Starting with Andrew, our first award, the Stay Humble Award. This award goes to the preseason take that we would most like to forget 20 games into the season. What do you got there? You know, I worried a little bit about the Philadelphia 76ers heading into this season. How would they handle the loss of Ben Simmons? How would they handle all of the craziness around it? Uh, and the the truth is, they've handled it very well. And they've had even more chaos. They've had like COVID stuff with multiple guys on the team. And they've just had guys step up, including Tyrese Maxey. I've got a little stat about Tyrese Maxey later on here. But he's been phenomenal. Seth Curry's been phenomenal. Uh, Tobias Harris, when he's been in the lineup, has been great. Embiid, obviously, have been great. So I wish that I never thought bad things about the Sixers at all because they've been spectacular when they've been in full form. But on the other hand, perfectly understandable why you felt that way. I had that reasons. wouldn't be too hard on yourself. I had my reasons. Uh, that's a great one. And I will say, uh, before we go on, me and Andrew did not discuss our personal nominations beforehand, so we could have the same one. However, that was not mine. Mine, of course, was the Washington Wizards, and it is because I had two opportunities to get this right, (laughs) because in the preseason, I laid out my criteria for choosing this year's surprise team. Now, I ended up choosing the Cleveland Cavaliers, which seemed very smart until their entire team got hurt, But, but the Washington Wizards were right there. I talked about them. They were right there for the picking, Andrew, and then I doubled down a few weeks later by nominating them for my fake surprise team. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Wizards, I mean, they've been great. And 
in retrospect, it seems kind of obvious because they just have a bunch of guys, a bunch of guys that you trust who are NBA rotation players. Yep. They're 11 and six on Tuesday when we're recording. And looking ahead, they could easily be the number one seed in the East again here pretty soon because even though 13 of their next 16 games are on the road, listen to their next stretch. They play New Orleans and OKC this week. Then they have games against Dallas, San Antonio, Minnesota, Cleveland, Toronto, Indiana, and Detroit. I mean, we could be looking at like a 20-win Wizards team here in a few weeks, number one seed in the East. I had my chance. I can't I can't do it now. I can't choose them now. I can't get excited about the, the <laughs> Wizards now. So it's gone, and I have regrets about it. You believe in the Wizards' defense? You know what they're currently ranked in defensive efficiency? What are they ranked? Fourth. 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 Wow. That's, oh, that's I, I, I don't know if that can hold. Like, I don't know if that'll hold, but yes, they've been, they've been good and surprising. And you should be humbled by that. No doubt. I'm very humbled. Very humbled. <laughs> uh, second award, the most shocking stat award. This award goes to the early season stat that has shocked us the most. And for my nomination, this was something that was brought up by Micah Adams on Twitter at MicahAdams13. Talking about Steph Curry. Steph Curry is on pace to make 445 three-pointers this season. When he set the all-time record of 402, he smashed his own previous record of 286. If he does end up eclipsing 402 by that much and really does get to 445, that would be breaking that record by 10.7 percentage points, which would be the equivalent of of breaking Wilt Chamberlain's record of 50.4 points per game by averaging (laughs) 55.8 points per game. Oh, That is absurd. And I I did it for another one. Like So John Stockton's assist per game record, 14.5 assists per game. That is a record in NBA history for a season. Mm -hmm. If Curry broke it this year in the same way, that'd be like him averaging 16 assists per game. So he's not wow. just like usually when when guys break a record, like for instance Westbrook when he broke the triple du- double record, he got 42 mm-hmm. in a season compared to 41. Steph is not like going to inch by this. He's going to shatter his own record, which is truly incredible and really blew my mind when it was when it was framed that way. Yeah, that is that is absolutely insane. What he and and what he's doing has vaulted them into contender status. Like not only is he breaking records, but he is bending opponent defenses so much with his shot again. I mean, it's it's just reminiscent of what he did back in like 2015 where he was just unstoppable and he was just like this force of nature that you have to deal with. And they finally got the right cast of characters around those guys. Draymond's back. It's uh, it's, it's fun to watch the Warriors again. Now, what about you, Andrew? What is your most shocking stat award of the first quarter? I still just can't believe the Memphis Grizzlies are, are where they are in defense. They're last in defense, 30th in defense. Dead last. Do you know where they were? Do you know what they finished last season in defense? Hmm. Um, I would guess like teens somewhere, 13th? 7th. 7th. Huh. Didn't change coaches? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. They changed from Jonas Valanciunas to Steven Adams, which I think a lot of people think is a defensive upgrade. You would think. Right? Yeah. I just don't know what's going on there. I know Dylan Brooks missed a lot of time, and maybe that's part of it because he is a 
really good defender and a fun defender to watch. So maybe that's a piece of the puzzle. But is is he worth 23 spots <laughs> in defensive efficiency? Like, if he is, then we need to give him depoy. I just don't know what's going on with Memphis. And I know that, I mean, they are the definition of make or miss league right now because the games they win, it's because they shoot the ball well. The games they lose, it's because they don't shoot the ball well. And, like, that's it. And it's because their defense isn't there. Like, it's just paper thin. And so it's just, to me, it's just shocking to see the difference between last season and this season and what they've done. I mean, they're 114.1 defensive efficiency this season. And last season, they ended the season at 110.5. I mean, it's significant. And I just am having trouble figuring that out. And some of it is that they, they've had some major blowouts. And I think that's obviously tilting a lot of things for them. But still, there's been a lot of people that have had weird blowouts. Like the Bulls got blown out by the Pacers the other night. Like there's just weird stuff happening. But ultimately, like that's the one of the shocking, one of the most shocking stats that I've seen this quarter. Yeah, we talked about the Pacers being one of the more confusing teams. After that fast start, I mean, I think the Grizzlies would definitely qualify because just in the last week, they beat the Clippers at home. Great win. Then they lose by 40 plus to the Timberwolves. Yeah. And then they go on the road and beat the Jazz. <laughs> so, like, nothing makes sense about this What's team right going now. On here? They might so be the wild. most shocking team. Uh, okay, next, Slammy, the No Regrets Award. This award goes to the off-season move that is looking the best 20 games into the season. Who do you got for this, Andrew? No regrets. I mean, it's just got to be like every Chicago Bulls acquisition, right? Like, I, Can I just like package those as, as one nice little package to the Chicago Bulls fans, to Trey Kirby specifically? Can we do that? You can. You can. I will say my answer was DeMar DeRozan specifically because yeah. I feel like most people were into Alonzo. They were even into the idea of adding Caruso. Easy. We were all, everyone was down with that. Easy. Sounds good, Bulls. Yep. And then they went and did the DeRozan move, and everyone's like, okay, like maybe it works offensively, but like, wh- how is DeRozan Vucevic going to work defensively? And I felt like there were so many signs that we all just ignored. One was Zach Levine's defense at the Olympics. Like, yep. whoa, this guy could, if he plays sure. like this in the regular season... Billy Donovan's history in the NBA mm-hmm. in respect to defense, mm-hmm. always having a top defense in the league, and then how good the perimeter defense would be with Lonzo and Caruso. All of that coming together, like, yeah, the DeRozan thing ha- has to be. I mean, and you can package it as the Bulls as a whole, but it really is that DeRozan piece because that was the part that people had questions about, and it is just looking like an amazing success so far. <laughs> Crazy. I mean, they... Like he has to be an all star, right? I mean, that's dude. Yes, he has to be an all star. But uh, who was it that uh, maybe it was Sam Vecini talking about like this guy's going to have a legit Hall of Fame argument by the end of his career because he he's a point scorer and so he's going to be in the twenty thousand points club. Yeah, which I think it's he like forty eight of the fifty guys are already in the Hall of Fame. So yeah, it's amazing the like career turnaround because he's he was good these last few seasons in San Antonio. It's just no one sure. really cared. Yeah. And so now he's doing it on a much bigger scale because the Chicago Bulls are just more relevant as a franchise right now. 
And uh, yeah, it's pretty incredible the turnaround. Yeah, and also they're doing all of this without Patrick Williams, who everybody thought like there's going to be a ton of pressure on the young guy Pat Williams going into the season. Right. Yeah. And he's hasn't really he just hasn't been there. He's been injured, and it hadn't really seemed to matter as much as people thought. Um, okay, our next Slammy, the All Regrets Award. Now we just did the No Regrets Award. This is the All Regrets Award, the award going to the off-season move that is looking the worst. 20 games in, and I decided to go with my nomination. Interested to see if we chose the same one. Evan Fournier. (laughs) Evan Fournier. He is on my fantasy team, so (laughs) I have intimate knowledge of how bad he has been. Yeah. He is part of one of the worst starting lineups in the league, only behind Houston and OKC's starting lineup. Yeah. He's currently averaging 12 points per game. Going into Tuesday night's game against the Lakers, scored double digits in only one of his past six games. Now, we're recording on Tuesday night. He's having a great game, of course, against the Lakers. (laughs) But (laughs) up until this Lakers game, he's just not scoring. He's getting benched in fourth quarters. And the more concerning thing for me is the lack of playmaking. So he's averaging 1.8 assists per game which would be his lowest average since his second year in the league. Even last year in Boston, which no one thought he was great in Boston, even then he was averaging over three assists per game for the Celtics. Yeah. So they have this deal now that is the next three years, including this one, guaranteed at around $20 million per year. The final year in 24-25 is a team option. Compare, him, compare his stats this year to what Reggie Bullock was giving them last year. Now, Reggie Bullock is not having a good season this year. He's been terrible for the Mavs. But compared to what he gave last year, like it's not that big of a difference. And you expected with Fournier coming in there, oh, he's going to give you way more points than Bullock could ever give you. And he's going to be way more of a playmaker. And it just hasn't happened so far. Now, he's had these kind of droughts in his career. So maybe he'll turn it around. But right now, 20 games in, that would be my all regrets award. Yeah. Uh, I'd also like to package everything uh, with a with a pelican on top and deliver oh, it no. to the Pelicans fans. Yeah, it's just it was just a weird off season, and everybody thought it was weird at the time, and it appears to be even weirder now. Just some of the like the Lonzo move never made sense to anybody. We talked about it on this show throughout last season. It's like, it really feels like they're trying to get rid of Lonzo, and it really doesn't make any sense why they would want to do that. He seems one of like one of the perfect guys to pair with Zion Williamson. Doesn't have to have the ball, shoots threes, plays defense. Like, what's where's the disconnect here? Uh, Devontae Graham has been, like, he's fine. We haven't seen what he looks like with Zion. But then acquiring Jonas Valanciunas, and then, like, do, like, what is the deal with David Griffin getting acquiring a center that he likes and then just immediately giving them an extension? That's where, like, there's, like, a big disconnect for me. It's you acquire Jonas Valanciunas. And then, been, he's been great. Like, statistically, Valanciunas has been incredible. Statistically, yes, he's been good. He is a part of the someone has to score the points in the NBA all-star team right now, though. Like somebody on that team has to score. They just have to. And Jonas is good. Like he's good at that. But is he who you want to anchor like your team around with Zion Williamson? Like what's going on here? Like we know what kind of player he is. This is just straight bad. And then you extend him on October 20th before you even see him in uniform. Like, Listen, uh, like it, what's going Like It is just a, I would be so frustrated if I were a Pelicans fan because it is just 
Like, what's the plan here? What's going on here? You know what's crazy, though? I would be more frustrated as a Pelicans fan if they were just like a normal bad team right now. Like if yeah. they had like six or seven wins like OKC. Because they only have three wins as of Tuesday's night recording, they can talk themselves into, hey, we have a great chance at some of these big men in this next draft. I mean, Chet Holmgren legitimately would be an amazing front court pairing with Zion. And so maybe all of these moves of this past season kind of get washed away in the same way that this last season's moves got washed away with the Steven Adams trade and Eric Bledsoe acquisition. Sure. Like if they can get someone like Chet, all of a sudden it doesn't matter that you have Jonas because you can trade him. Who cares? And you have your cent- your front court of the future. They, they will likely end up getting more wins and not they will likely end up closer to the middle because I think Zion will eventually play. They'll eventually be better. They're going to rack up some wins. They'll end up being closer to the middle. I don't know, man. Also, like the like the the Zion Chet pairing is is one of the more hilarious pairings in it'd NBA be, history. It'd be a lot of fun. Like, that's NBA, you know, it'd be fun. Pure NBA comedy, and that that'd be great uh, for Pelicans fans. Like that's that's best case scenario. But the thing about it is that you're still even if you get Chet, you still have the same GM. You still have the same ownership group. It's still the same. There's no plan. That's that, well, yeah, that, that's that's kind, of, that's kind of the Kings argument. Like when when any Kings fans gets excited about something, you know, like yeah. Luke oh, but fired. we super like, suck. Well, no, you're gonna super suck again. Like that's gonna yeah. keep happening. It's a shame. But we got to move on to the next slammy, which is the hashtag Free Blank Award. Now, this award goes to the player who we feel is not getting enough playing time on their current team. Obviously, last year, you know, free Bamba was a common refrain. And finally, Bamba's getting minutes, so every all the Bamba supporters are, are satisfied now. But who is the new guy? And for my nomination, I'm not actually going with a single player. It is Sacramento's three-guard lineup. This is what I was excited about <laughs> yeah. in the preseason about Sacramento because it's like, well, why else did they draft Davion Mitchell? Mm-hmm. Obviously, they want to play Fox, Halliburton, and Mitchell together. Wouldn't that be fun? Let's see what that looks like. They've only played 34 minutes together. Now, in Luke Walton's defense, they've been terrible. <laughs> Negative 21.6 net rating, but it's only 34 minutes. And I just feel like if you're going to draft Davion, knowing that you have Fox and Halliburton there, knowing that you still have Buddy Heald there, like you have to play them together to see if it works. You have to give it more of a run than just 34 minutes. And this goes for some of their other lineups too. Like, Wouldn't you agree that their best five players would be Fox, Halliburton, Mitchell, Barnes, and Holmes? Now, you can swap in Buddy Heald if you want to. Yeah. I like, but like, I really like that five the Fox, Halliburton, Mitchell, Barnes, and Holmes. Those guys have played 16 minutes together total. Hey, new coach. Maybe they, maybe, maybe new things. No, it won't be because Alvin Gentry and all of his quotes are like, I actually loved everything we were doing. (laughs) Nothing we were doing, I was against. I know. (laughs) Which is such a weird thing. They need to get, like, they need to go, they need to just stop doing whatever they're doing and just go find a coach that they like. Because I, th- I don't think it's going to happen, Andrew. Uh, who is your nomination yeah, for the free blank award? Never trust the Kings. Uh, you know, I'm going to go with Malachi Flynn on the Raptors. Malachi Flynn, wow. Free Malachi Flynn. I thought, man, this dude is ready to take on a backup point guard role. 
and he's played 75 minutes this whole season. And hmm. some of that is Delano Banton has been good. Great. You can play those two together. I have no problem with that. Uh, our guy, Svee Mihailuk, has played a lot for them as well. Mm-hmm. And played well. I like Svee. I'm a fan. But I think that Malachi Flynn has a future in this league as like a nice backup point guard that can score off the bench. And I just would like to see a little bit more of him. Uh, another guy that I thought of was Aaron Neesmith, who's just not playing at all for Boston. And they need shooting desperately. He hadn't shot the ball well this season, but like we know that he can shoot it. So I would like to see more Aaron Neesmith as well. But my official free, hashtag free, goes to Malachi Flynn. Okay, our next Slammy, the NBA Smart Guy Observation Award. Now, this award goes to the NBA Smart Guy Observation. It could be an observation about a player, a team, or even a specific play that will make you sound the smartest if you repeat it around your friends. So, obviously, I mean, there's a lot of smart NBA guys out there, and they're throwing stuff at you when you're listening to these podcasts. And what is the what is the little morsel that you have to take home to share with your friends around the Thanksgiving table? <laughs> Here's my Tyrese Maxey stat. Did you know that not only does Tyrese Maxey have a high pick and roll frequency, he Mm -hmm. also has the highest points per possession in pick and roll of all the players in the top 10 in frequency. That includes Chris Paul, Donovan Mitchell, and Trey Young. He's been incredible as a pick and roll ball handler. So if you want to know, like, why is Tyrese Maxey so good? High pick and roll frequency. High in points per possession. It's over, I think it's 1.09, I think. I think that's legitimately very good. That's that's a great one. And that will wow your friends. You t- tell your uncle. Your uncle, is gonna, your uncle is, is going to throw up his turkey when you tell him that. Uh, he's a Kings fan. So <laughs> mine is the pick and roll chemistry, speaking mm. of the Kings, between Tyrese Halliburton and... And Rashawn Holmes. Oh, yeah, baby. Is is Halliburton going for the floater, or is he going for the lob, Andrew? Defenses have no idea. Imagine you're with your friends talking hoops. They're saying things like, oh, Golden State looks really good. Oh, the Bulls are back, huh? Then you hit them with, yeah, but what about the pick-and-roll chemistry between Tyrese Halliburton <laughs> and Rashawn Holmes? Your friends will immediately feel inferior to you. They now think you're a genius. Now they're trying to keep up. Like, oh, yeah, I love watching the Kings. They're lying. No one likes watching the Kings. You've no. trapped them. That's no. why it's such a smart thing to know because it proves that you have watched the Kings, which means that you are at a different level of NBA fandom than your friends, and you are now the smartest of your friends. And now if you want to counteract that, if you're if you're at an event where your friend says that, you say... Well, Alex, if it's so good, then how did the Thunder shut it down in the fourth quarter oh, no. in oh, Oklahoma no. City? Because they and that's, com- and that's why they, I panic. They completely shut it down. They they took it away. Completely took it away from the Kings after a couple of adjustments from a rookie big man and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Just took it away. Oh no, I would not like you as a friend. Okay, <laughs> the next slammy goes to uh, it's called the There Are No Small Roles Award. This award goes to our favorite role player of the early season. And as a, as a kind of a criteria, I said averaging less than 20 minutes per game. And my nomination, JaVale McGee. <laughs> because Ooh, I like this. 
you remember last uh, last trade deadline, we were talking about the Suns. Like, yeah. listen, it's it's going great. It's going great. But are they really going to go into the playoffs with Frank Kaminsky and Dario Saric as their only backup centers? They're not going to get one mm-hmm. more big guy. It doesn't seem like Jalen Smith's playing. We were right about that. But then yep. they make it to the finals, and you kind of forget about it because it's like, well, they made it to the finals. Who cares? But mm-hmm. I do think that backup center issue was real. And, like, don't you just need a traditional big to back up Aiton just in case? And JaVale has been awesome. Mm-hmm. He's only playing 16 minutes per game, averaging 10-7, and seven, averaging a career high in field goal percentage at 67%. He's actually started six games with uh, when Aiton was out with injury. He's just a very good safety blanket for them. And when you look ahead, if they do happen to match up with, like, the Lakers again in yeah. a first-round series, which might be possible... I just feel like they're so much better equipped to face a healthy Lakers team now that they have someone like JaVale McGee. Again, he's only playing like 15 minutes per game, but I think he's done really well in that role. Yeah, he's been great. Uh, my guy is Otto Porter Jr. Shooting 41% from three, playing within this Warriors system. Uh, he's been spectacular for them. Only playing 17 minutes per game. Just exactly what you could have hoped for if you were a Warriors fan when they signed him. Uh, big ups to Otto Porter. All right, our next Slammy, why aren't you talking about Blank Award? This award goes to the team that we feel has been talked about the least on national NBA podcast relative to how they're playing. You could throw that in as well. Who, who yeah. did you choose for this? Well, when I sat down to do this, I had the Timberwolves, and then I was cleaning my house for Thanksgiving and I listened to some podcasts and all I heard was about the Timberwolves. So I had to mm-hmm. completely remove that because I was like, oh man, Timberwolves are 11th in net rating, 7th in defense. Like, wow, like they're they're playing great. They think they've won four in a row. Wow, why is nobody talking about them? Oh, everybody's talking about them. Uh, so I guess I'll say the Nuggets. I just don't think the Nuggets have gotten any shine. They're like around 500 and they're injury-ridden and I I don't hear anything about the Nuggets ever. Jokic is having a phenomenal season again. And just about the only thing I've heard about Nikola Jokic on national podcasts is whenever he and Markeith Morris got into that little tussle. That's about it. So mm. don't ever hear about the Nuggets. I went with the Utah Jazz. Yeah. Now, they, they get talked about a little bit, but mm-hmm. the problem is there's not really a ton to say. Like, everyone basically has the exact same opinion about the Jazz, which is like, I'll see you in the playoffs. Until then, I don't really care what you're doing. Exactly. That's what everyone is saying. And so there's really nothing to talk about. And one of the other problems is that they haven't really been the dominant force that they looked like early in the season. They started 7-1. and one. Mm-hmm. They've gone 4-5 and five since. Now 11-6. and six. Through 17 games last year, they were 13-4. and four. I mean, the most interesting thing about the Jazz is maybe that Rudy Gay is playing now. He's played a couple games for them. Mm-hmm. That was their big offseason acquisition. Like Maybe they'll go on a run here and, and people will start talking about them again. But it seems like it's kind of just died out because no one really has anything to say about the Jazz until the playoffs. Yeah, I have nothing to say right now. <laughs> All right, our next Slammy. Favorite new Twitter follow award. This award goes to the best account that we started following this season. And for mine, I am going with at Draft Deeper. 
This is Nathan Grubel. I hope I'm saying your name right. He has a podcast called No Ceilings, but he also has a free Substack newsletter with the same name, No Ceilings. Comes to your inbox. Really good draft coverage for someone like myself who doesn't get to watch a lot of college basketball games. So, for instance, the one I got, uh, uh, the the newsletter he sent out was about Jaden Ivey, which is a player that, like, because I don't watch a lot of college basketball, and I'm certainly not watching Purdue in, in past <laughs> years, he's a sophomore. I'm learning so much about him. He has links to all the videos that they've cropped of, like, specific, specific plays. He's a great follow. At Draft Deeper. Go check him out on Twitter. If, wow. if Especially if you're a fan of a bad team. Wow. Uh Jackson Frank, I just started following him this season. Mm. Maybe I'm I'm late to the game with him. He's very good. You're very late. So late. At Jack Frank underscore JJF. Uh, very smart. Puts out a lot of videos. Uh, just, a, just a good NBA follow. If you're not following him, you should. Jackson Frank is legitimately one of my favorite NBA writers. Like the He's, way he writes about basketball makes me uh, a lot. Of, we always say like, there's writers out there who make you smarter, but mm-hmm. he makes me smarter in a way that also doesn't make me feel dumb. Mm-hmm. Like he's able to like bridge that gap yeah. because sometimes there's people that are so, so smart that they're just like over my head in some sense. And I'm like trying to hold on for dear life. hundred percent. I feel like Jackson Frank does a really good job of, I don't want to say dumbing it down because that makes me sound dumb, but you know, like making it more accessible. We need things dumbed down a little bit and that's okay. And some, that's what sometimes. he does. He's very good. Okay, our next Slammy, the 10th Slammy, the League Pass Alert Award. This award goes to the team that we personally have watched the most on League Pass. So you have to be honest on this one, Andrew. You can't say whatever the hot team is. Tell me, what team have you been watching the most on League Pass through 20 games? It's the Raptors. Like, I just can't look away. I can't look away. They're just really fun. I've always been an OG Ananobi guy. Scotty Barnes is sensational they've got all like delano banton he's just flying around everywhere his hair is flying around everywhere like he's he's very fun they're very skilled got pascal siakam back he's played a a ton of minutes for them too they're just fun man they just they're just a unconventional nba team that i think has a really bright future so i got the wraps and my nomination the los angeles lakers (laughs) I, I cannot stop watching. This is tra- like a train wreck situation. Yeah, I would just say entertainment because like they're not <laughs> they're they're a five hundred team, so they've won some games, Andrew. Yeah, you know, it's not total. Tra- but the thing is that they don't blow out anyone. No, so you're that's either true. getting you're either getting a close game, win or loss, or they're getting embarrassed. And yeah. if they do get embarrassed, then. The Lakers fans, obviously dedicated fan base, then you get some crazy post-game Twitter spaces yeah. that you get to listen to, and those have been incredible. There's so many guys on this team that I just like as people in the league. Like I enjoy Russell Westbrook. I enjoy Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo. I like Rajon yeah, Rondo. Yeah, bro. Like I, I just enjoy and watching Westbrook with no emotional attachment and just kind of like enjoying the ride as an outside observer. Yeah. <laughs> it's just very fun. <laughs> there is definitely some joy in just watching just to see what happens and not having like everything hinge on <laughs> what Russ is going to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally totally agree with that. That's super fun. Okay, our next slammy is the Double Walled Vacuum Insulated Thermos Award. This award goes to the player who is off to a hot start this season, who who we think will continue their hot start, as if you put them in a double-walled vacuum-insulated thermos. Andrew, who is your pick for that? (laughs) 
I've got OG and an OB. 20 points, five boards, almost three assists per game, uh, a steal and a half, half a block. He's been really good. Shooting like a sustainable 36% from three. Uh, he's been very good for them. Now, I don't think OG's like a number one guy on a great team, but could he be a number two? Like maybe. Is he a number three? Probably. Like he's been very good and he continues to develop. He gets better every year. He's, I'd like to see him get to the free throw line more. I think like that's the next step. If, if we want to see like the more evolved version of OG, it's he figures out how to use his dribble to get to the free throw line. But even if he doesn't, very good player. Very good. And I'm uh, for, for my nomination, I'm going to nominate someone you mentioned earlier, Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. Take you back to the preseason, writes to Ricky Sanchez, Sixers podcast. We, we texted about this because it was a particularly low point for the Sixers in the preseason. Mm-hmm. A lot of people had given up. But Mike on the show, he was trying to construct a scenario <laughs> Where it might work out for the Sixers this season. Yeah. He was like, if, if, if a few players can do this and just this. And one of the things was if Tyrese Maxey can just put up a Mike Conley-like line, mm-hmm. you know, like 16 and 6, whatever, mm-hmm. that was one of the pieces. And I thought it sounded insane it, yeah, asking we, this second-year player <laughs> to put up a Mike Conley-like line. Yep. And what is he doing? He's doing He's it. He's a few percentage points away from a 50-40-90 season right now. He is and doing it. You mentioned the pick and roll, how good he's been on the pick and roll. Yeah. Uh, it was brought to my attention by Trill Bro Dude on Twitter. His finishing around the rim. So last season, from zero to three feet, shot 59%. This season, he is shooting 74% Ooh. from zero to three feet. Wow. And what, that's a, that's what a I think dork is, number. That's a big dork it's, number. It's a dork number. And what I think is so interesting about the Maxi story is how it has changed the Ben Simmons trade discussions. Oh yeah, man. A- a- among Sixers fans, like Maxi seems like some guy that is like untouchable. Like in the past, you would think, oh, we would give up Ben Simmons and Tyrese Maxi for Damian Lillard, and maybe that's still the case. But in the past, it would feel like we'd have to give up Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxi, and bunch of picks mm-hmm. and now like the value of Tyrese Maxey as a basketball player is so drastically different than it was a few months ago it is just completely changed and then flip it around like is getting a point guard a number one priority in a Ben Simmons trade like it's probably still something you want to get but they could probably get away with getting someone else like they could probably focus on getting like a big wing instead yeah yeah. So I just think the whole Tyrese Maxey story is so interesting from so many different angles. Now well, the uh, well, and do you well, and do you want to acquire De'Aaron Fox now? Everybody's like, oh, no brainer. Yes, exactly. Fox. It's like yeah, and when no you compare way, their now. contracts, yeah, like, no I don't know. I don't know anymore. Now we did ask for some submissions online. We did get a few, and uh, one of them I'm going to be calling "Coffee in a Paper Cup" award. Now we just had the the vacuum insulated thermos. This was submitted by Tyler Nevins. He wanted us to pick out a player whose hot start we are not buying. And then uh, at Tan Newman on Twitter, he suggested what a similar idea, the Cranberry Sauce Award, something that people, everyone's telling you it's really good, but you're not buying it. You're not eating it, Andrew. Yeah. It's on on the Thanksgiving table, but you don't want to touch it. (laughs) I actually do like cranberry sauce, but that's a a topic for another day, Al. Uh, (laughs) I, it pains me to do this, but I'm gonna. I have Carmelo Anthony 
Oh, so do I. You do. <laughs> yeah. 60% effective field goal percentage it would be the highest of his career by nine percentage points. I just don't believe it. Like, I just don't believe that's sustainable for him. Yeah. And like, do you really believe that 37-year-old Melo is going to be a 30-minute-per-game player for a team that considers itself a real contender? No way. No. He, I could imagine a scenario where he is uh, productive on this team as an sure. off-the-bench guy in the playoffs yeah. playing you know, 15 minutes per game or something. But asking him to shoot like a career-high 46% from three <laughs> on over six attempts per game, like that is just so absurd. And, I mean, he was getting legit like six-man-of-the-year talk in these I, first 20 games. I know. I know. And I love it because it's another one of those fun things when you're watching Lakers games, especially home Lakers games. Because he, like the energy that the arena feels when the ball hits his hands, oh, it's, it's just awesome. palpable. It's so fun, and we I hope that it, I hope that it continues because I do think Carmelo Anthony is just a gem, but I just don't see it happening. Okay, two more awards. Uh, the next one submitted by at JD underscore Brown Nine, the Puke Guy Award. This award goes to the player, team, coach, performance, etc. That made us the sickest in the early season. And I'll be real quick with mine because it's still the same. It's Houston's rotations. By the way, last game, Alperin Shangoon, he only gets 20 minutes against the Celtics. What does he do? Eight, six, and seven. Seven <laughs> assists in 20 minutes, including just a wild wraparound pass under the basket where he was being triple teamed. Go watch the replay. There are three Celtics around Alperin Shengun by himself, and he somehow whips it around them and pass it out to the three-point line where Josh Christopher made a three. He should be playing 30-plus minutes a game. Yeah, I'll continue wild. to say it until it's happening. <laughs> uh, I've got Teo Maladon of the Oklahoma City Thunder. He, <laughs> it's been bad, bad, bad. Now, you maybe you're like, I haven't seen him play in a while. Well, it's, he's been with the G League for the last five games. He did get called back. I'm bringing this up. We're recording this on a Tuesday, actually, because we're going to enjoy some Thanksgiving festivities later in the week. So perhaps maybe this brings on some magic for Teo. But on the season, he's averaging two points on 20% from the field. 13% from three. It's been about as bad as you can imagine. Three of 22 on the season from three, seven of 34 overall, uh, and just not much to offer. So it's been uh, it's been a rough one for Teo. Who had, he? and listen, you may be like, why is he talking about that guy? Well, he played the most minutes. He played 27 minutes per game last season for the Thunder, starting point guard, he played the most minutes on the team, shot 34% from three on five attempts, was 10 points, three assists, three boards. Like He was a, a quality rotation type of player down to a guy where you're like, how did he make it to the NBA? Yeah, I uh, unfortunately agree with that. Okay, our final slammy, Andrew. The Holiday Light Display Award. This was submitted by Peterman 33 this award goes to the team or player that is great in your head, but the experience is underwhelming. As when you go to a holiday light display, you're waiting in line, it's too cold, grumpy kids. My choice for this, my nomination, the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. I was kind of intrigued by the Mavs coming this season. It felt like, okay, this is going to be like the big Luka year. 
I was reading a really good article, MavsMoneyBall.com by Luke Askew. Per cleaning the glass, he says, only 14% of Luka Doncic's shot attempts are coming at the rim. That's a career low, and that number puts Luka in the 13th percentile among point guards. Why that's so weird, if you go to basketball reference, two seasons ago, from zero to three feet, Doncic was taking 26% of his shots there. This year, it's 10%. Then you go to 16 feet to three-point range, so long twos. Two years ago, 1.4% of his shots were from there. Last year, 6%. This year, 11.5%. So he's moving further away from the basket, but not necessarily taking more threes. He's actually taking a lower percentage of threes than he's ever taken before. Mm-hmm. As, in terms of his overall shot distribution. And so Luke Askew brings up spacing as one concern and then conditioning as another factor that are contributing to this. And when asked about it, Jason Kidd brought up the idea of actually wanting to get Luca more post-ups because <laughs> he, he loves post-ups so much. <laughs> yeah. And it's the, the Mavs are just so weird because there are highlights. Like Jalen Brunson, I watched their game against the Suns a few nights ago. He yeah. was great. Big 18 Brunson and 10. guy here, yeah. Big Brunson and then the here. the other big news is that like Kristaps Porzingis looks good, good, quite good. And so there are things to be excited about as a Mavericks fan. But you look at who they've beaten and who they've lost to. You know they have a negative point differential, even though they have a winning record. They're losing to most of the good teams that they play. They're only really beating the bad teams in the league. They're just a very strange team, and I am consistently underwhelmed about their overall uh, vibes. I guess I would say, yeah. I have similar feelings about the Boston Celtics. I've not enjoyed watching any of their games. There's just been a bunch of blah. So Mm. I'll leave it at that because right after this quick break, we're going to talk about the future, Al. We're going to talk to Matt Penny about the 2022 NBA draft class. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full-body strength, 
or marathon training all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. All right, Al, we're back from our break, and we've got our guy Matt Penny here to talk about the NBA draft. I I love the draft. I could talk about the draft every single episode. Uh, If you want to hear more about the draft, you should go listen to the Game Theory podcast with Sam Vecini and Matt Penny. It's a great show. It will make you smarter about the draft and about the NBA in general. Matt, how's it going, man? Uh, I'm doing great. I I was actually wondering a little bit how my friends are doing, how you guys are doing, because as much as I love doing this show, I, I figured when you reached out, you wanted to talk draft and uh, Oklahoma City, six and 11. They're not bad. So like, I don't know if this is like the panic button. This is the white flag. I'm trying to talk up some mid first round guys or just top of the draft. But um, I'm here to be a resource more than anything. Oh, we're still hopeful. We're trying to ignore. I'm honestly in denial more than I am anything else at this point. About, in, in, in about which, where in they're which at. way, though, because I, I love following you guys on, on social media. It, it is such a, a train ride. I don't want to say train wreck. It's a train ride because, <laughs> like, possession by possession, like, you guys are all the way back, like, Josh Giddy's Magic Johnson. And then about six plays later, it's like, I don't know if this is going to work. Like, he might look good, but we stink. <laughs> Where are we going from here? Uh, so I, I love it. I mean, you guys, you guys are passionate, and, and all the people that listen to your show are, are super passionate too. So it uh, it's been a lot of fun to follow along from afar via cyberspace. Have here. you have you watched much of OKC? Just as an aside, uh, I I've watched just earlier in the year the couple games because I, I watch more college stuff. And yeah. and Sam well, on the game theory thing podcast, he wanted to kind of talk rookie transitions the first few weeks. So the first yeah. two or three weeks of the season, I was watching a lot before college basketball like really kicked off here. Since then, yep. not really. Just just really digging into the the college scene and space and trying to keep up with the the upper tier level rookies to to see if we were really right or really wrong or split the difference. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the top of the draft. Uh, most people have Paulo Banquero and Chet Holmgren as one and two in some order. In Sam Vecini's first big board, he had Paolo and Chet one and two. But that said, I don't see either of – he also said, I don't see either of them right now as what I'd consider a typical number one overall pick in a normal draft class. Are those two at the top of your board, and do you agree with Sam's assessment um, in comparing them to a typical number one overall pick? They are definitely at the top of my board, and I've sort of flip-flopped just to start the year. I started with Chet number one, and I flipped, and I also have Paolo number one now because of, of what he's just able to do and, and produce at Duke to start the season. It, it's just a little bit different because, it, and we've, we've discussed this a little bit, there's just not a, a surefire number one guy. I don't think that takes anything away from either of them, just very special prospects. But it, it's not, here comes Zion Williamson, here comes Kate Cunningham. It's just a little bit different where... It's not completely wide open, but it, it's definitely still a, a race for number one. And, and those two guys face off on Friday in Las Vegas. And people might read too much of that game. It still has to be the body of work. But we're in a society where you want one or the other. 
but but I still really like them both. Like I, I think that either one of them is going to be a, a fine number one draft pick, and I don't think it's a, a down draft by any means. Just a, a little bit different than the norm. Of the next group of like wings and bigs, so like Jalen Duran, Patrick Baldwin Jr., Jabari Smith. Do you think any of those? guys have a chance to make a real run at being considered for the number one pick? I, I'm a believer in Jabari Smith. I am from Auburn. He, he's been better than I thought he would be. He, I kind of had him in the mid-first to start in the preseason because at six foot ten, he could really shoot it, but in high school, he more settled for mid-range stuff. So just a question of does that translate into when you stretch the floor out and the dimensions, can you shoot from three? Because the NBA, I don't say the mid-range shot is going away or, or dead, but just not emphasized as much, especially from a big position. But he's come out and he showed that, number one, he can shoot from three. He can trail the play and knock it down. But he's really quick laterally. I mean, Auburn puts him up at the top of the 1-3-1. He traps, he deflects, he dives on the floor. And he's had a couple plays early in the year where he catches it in motion on the break. He puts it behind his back. He pulls up. There's a lot of things to like there. He's had some freshman bumps already. They haven't played a, a ton of competition. But I do think that he'll probably be in that conversation as well. The other guys I, I like, I don't know necessarily if I would uh, feel comfortable at this juncture, four games, five games, and in, including them in that, mm. that top tier. I, w- I wanted to ask you about Patrick Baldwin Jr. because he opted to play at Milwaukee where his dad is a coach instead of being at a bigger school. Do you think that decision will ultimately be good for his development given the increased usage, or would you have rather seen him in an environment like Duke where he's playing off of better players? I, I see it from both ways. I really do. For his personal development, I actually like the decision, and I, and I think it's grown on me. It, it's going to be difficult because they played Florida, who is sort of their only high-major opponent that they're going to face throughout the year and then you'll see what happens in the tournament at NIT if they're lucky enough to be there and he just doesn't have a ton of weapons around him or or really high level complementary pieces so he's going to be double teamed he's going to see some junk defenses he's going to have to play through fouls follow follow his own shot one of the knocks on him is that he wasn't the best shot creator and now you have to be like he he has to be the super alpha where he's going off the dribble. He's shooting from three. He might take some bad shots, but it's more preparing him to be equipped for any situation. If he was at Duke, the numbers would be better. His percentages would be better. He wouldn't necessarily be the the main attraction on that team. He would have the safety valves in Paolo Bancaro, in Wendell Moore, who's playing really well, in Trevor Keels, who's popped up. So he, he's paved his own path, and I like that he's playing for his dad, but there's stuff that comes with it where it's not always going to be the, the prettiest watch. I want to rewind a little bit back to Paolo and Chet, because they're such a big deal. Will you explain what they are as a player and then what limitations they'll have in the pros? Yeah, absolutely. To me, Paul Bancaro from Duke, he embodies sort of what a, a new age power forward can be. He's six foot ten. He's 250 pounds. He just turned 19 years old. He's averaging 18 points and eight rebounds a game. He's shooting 55% of the field. And it's this true inside-outside threat that he'll use his size in the posts or then he'll stretch you out and burn you with his pro-style sort of mid-range game. And he feasts out of these side isolations, which you see a lot in the NBA, where he'll jab step, he'll take two dribbles, he'll spin, he'll finish above the rim. And one of the knocks has been his three-point shot, and it, it's obviously a very small sample, but he's been two for five and two for three his last two games. So you see how he's worked on his game. And 
even with his numbers, and it sounds crazy to say this because he had 28, 8, and 6 the other night, he's still playing within himself, and there's more to what he's even showing. I mean, he did a, a lot of pick-and-roll isolation later in high school because they knew him playing normal high school competition, he could just average 50 a game. It's how can I prepare myself for Duke in the NBA? Like, he can do more off the dribble, and I, he's a guy that – yeah, I, I was personally burned a little bit with Scotty Barnes because I didn't know offensively that he had all this stuff in his bag to score. I'm not going to be surprised yeah. with Paolo because the stuff he's going to do in the NBA, we saw in high school. He's just not doing right now at Duke. And then Chet. And then for Chet, I, <laughs> I've tried to all do this in like the context of Oklahoma City. I don't know if this is going to excite or scare you, but he's kind of <laughs> like a more fluid, nastier version of Poku. He's, he's seven yeah. feet tall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got long arms. He's super fluid for someone his size. He moves so much smoother than you would expect when you look at him. And a, a two-way guy that he's going to protect the rim, and then he'll rip the rebound off the glass. He'll take it full court and score off the bounce. And then he has touch from the perimeter. He's very confident shooting from three. And, and don't let the skinniness and the slender frame fool you. He plays with the real mean streak, and he's going to get knocked down, and he gets back up. His finishing percentage at the rim is as good, if not the best, among any bigs wings in the country. It's just going to be he's 195 pounds, and he's put on weight. That's not necessarily going to work in the NBA long-term with, with durability. He's the highest ceiling guy in the draft for me. He's going to produce. I just don't know if you're going to see that real finished product until a couple of years down the road. So how patient you're going to be as a franchise if you take him number one, knowing Hey man, he he might need a, a weight room. He might need like a million reps. He, he might need twelve minutes a game for the first season. Yeah, and, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you guys have that patience level out there. Oh yeah, we've got it all. We're, but, we're, but we're isn't, ready but to isn't ride it this a, out. a good thing too though that this is a big heavy draft at, at the top? I mean, you, you talked yeah. about Jalen Duran too, and we talked about three bigs. It, it seems like that's a little bit of the hole for OKC too. If you have a great backcourt with with Giddy and with, with Shy and with Dort and Jeremiah's been awesome, but like there's there's upgrade yeah. potential there in the front court, and you hope you're kind of in this first tier where you can get one of these difference makers. Yeah, well, let's talk about Duran. Like he's supposed to be like, – the knock on him is like he's old school throwback big, which are like the scariest things that you can say about a big guy right now. <laughs> yeah. Like nobody uh, I mean, nobody a little, wants a, that. A little bit in, until somebody's really good. You know, I, I was uh, – Evan Mobley's a, a new school 4-5, but I was just scared when yeah. you have wings like Jalen Green ahead of him and, and Jalen Suggs hitting half-court shots to win the Final Four games. So I, I just yep. slid him down because I didn't know if he necessarily had – Everything that he showed and, and proved me wrong. But mm -hmm. for Duran, he reclassified late. He signed with Memphis sort of right before school started. He's a, yep. a monster of a man at, at six foot eleven. He's chiseled out of granite and he's destroying the competition that's put in front of him right now. And, and there's really nothing you can do about that till later in the year. He's just so big and powerful in the post that you can't stop him for for now for these low major teams. When he dunks, it it's he's trying to pull down the hoop. Like when he blocks a shot, yeah. he's trying to spike it like he's at the net playing volleyball. He's second in the country with four point eight blocks per game. He's mostly like a roller big out of pick and roll right now. He is a high percentage finisher out of the dunker spot. Has a little bit of face up game where it will take these little twelve foot fadeaways. He'll jab at you. Not nearly as polished as Paolo, but that kind of style at times. I'd classify him as a straight five. 
he does have really good vision, so you can short roll him and hit him there, and he can find guys that use him in the middle of the zone, flashing and looking opposite. I think he's best suited there. Some NBA people see maybe shades of of being a four. Really good prospect, but I, I, to me, Paolo, Chet, Jabari, just a little bit more versatile and a little bit more mm-hmm. readily able to to fit into the new constructs of like the NBA stuff. So, so like, what's a comp for Duran? Oh God, I, I knew you were gonna say that. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think like big. Yeah, you might be better at this than me, as I, I whiffed on NBA trivia last time. Who's sort of like a big, strong, rolling five, dunk, block shots, hit a couple of mid range jumpers? I'm like the worst comp guy going. Well, I just don't know how. I haven't watched a lot of him, so I don't know how mobile he is on defense. Like when you say all that, I think Aiton. But yeah, I mean DeAndre was a. Uh, I saw him in high school in person. I mean, he was special. I mean, he he was six yeah. eleven and he was shooting a little bit. He was a little bit more mobile. Right. Jalen's got these yeah. huge feet, like size eighteen feet, and and he'll shuffle it. He'll slide. He'll hard hedge a little bit, but it's not mm-hmm. always like the prettiest. I, I think DeAndre is a little bit more mobile as an athlete, but Jalen's yeah. a little bit more like powerful as a low jumper. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, the yeah. two names that I saw when I was looking. Um, one person said Bam, and another person said Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard's not bad. I, that's probably closer. There, there have been some Bam comps, which I just don't agree with. And I guess we we've all learned to kind of slow down a little bit because he's been such a great facilitator as a post player. Mm-hmm. And, and Jalen has yeah. some of that similar type vision, but I, I think still Bam's like a, a no, another level beyond that offensively. Just just a few more layers to what Bam's able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, another player I want to ask you about was Jaden Ivey yeah. at Purdue because among returning collegiate players, he's probably been the most impressive, led the Boilermakers to big wins over UNC and Villanova last weekend. His development as a playmaker in the early season is the big story. He's jumped from two, two assists per game, less than two assists per game in his freshman year to around five assists per game this season. Has your evaluation of him changed, and do you think it's possible that Ivy could develop into a point guard at the next level. It, it's a uh, it's an interesting point. It's a very interesting point because that was what's really stood out to me too. Is he averaged like one point nine assists last year to four point six assists now? And I had a few people on Twitter say, "Hey, it's really cool you to see John Morant play at a Power Five school." I'm like, "Whoa, let's slow down." John Morant averaged twenty five a game, hung like you know twenty six on Auburn, twenty eight on Alabama. So uh, I said, is he like the light beer version <laughs> of John Morant? I don't know if he's that. It, it's it's with Jaden, you're like the elder statesman as, as a lottery pick as a sophomore, which is like kind of crazy like this early in the year. Yeah. But he went back to school and just showed that development of his game. He's always going to be this twitchy, explosive athlete. I just remember watching in the tournament versus North Texas where he would just kind of drive and throw himself in the traffic, not really with like a purpose. And like that Villanova game, the two plays that stuck out were he hits the turbo, he goes full court and transition. You think he's just going to like try to jump over somebody, Ken. He like dunked it off his right shoulder, basket. Then I think it was the second half, similar. He hits the gas, he gets into the lane, defense collapses, he darts a pass opposite for an open three. He does that stuff. I mean, that that's what kind of gets me excited. Uh, his, his reaction time to what defense give him and what to do, he seems faster but much more under control i didn't know what to do with him a week ago when sam and i did a mock i think we had him eighth and it it looks shockingly like it it might be too low like he's been 
good against high-level competition when some of these other guys were weighing against what they're doing against buy games, really, where you're paying a team to come play you. And great, Jalen Duran has 28-18, but I don't know how you kind of compare that to Jaden Ivey when he's leading Purdue to a win against a, a very good Villanova team, which I saw last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, every year it seems like there is a player that's mocked like way out of the lottery at this time of year who ends up being taken in the lottery come draft time. Uh, just last year, uh, Sam Vecini had Josh Primo at 112th oh. overall on his big board. <laughs> yep. Okay, Primo would eventually shoot up the draft board. This is your guy, Josh I, Primo. I know. I think Sam still has him at 112, but that's another story for another yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> He's picked 12th in the yes. draft. Uh, is there a guy or two that are not currently ranked high by most that you think could legitimately shoot up draft boards by the end of the season? It, it's early. It, it's really hard because it's so early. The, the two names I'll say, and, and one I, I like to – I joke with Sam today. I text him and said I think we're first to concept here. Kendall Brown from Baylor is is one that now is kind of becoming this consensus middle of the first round guy. Where mm-hmm. I I thought he was a multi year kid. He was um, really good at Sunrise Christian a year ago, but I thought he was more of like a four, just athletic, run and jump, can't do much beyond that. But he's a really really good passer, great interior passer, moves the ball, almost had a triple double to start the year. He is a violent two foot jumper, flies off the floor, can put it on guys' heads. Just this multi-positional switching guy on, on offense and defense. The shot is a, a little bit of a slow release. He'll he'll hit it. Just takes time. If it comes around in in, in time, he's going to be a top ten pick. He may be there already, but he, he'll be like in all the conversations if, if Baylor continues to play the way that they do. And then if we're getting crazy, and and this one's popping up too, I'd say Christian Coloco just a little bit from Arizona. And I'm not going to say a, a big is going to fly up draft boards but just a very raw kid he he's doubled his scoring his, his rebounding his block shots from a year ago he, he severely outplayed hunter dickinson the other night against michigan and just keeps getting better and improving so it, it, when you see shades of that it's somebody who's seven feet tall seven foot one still learning the game and there's a lot to kind of get excited uh big scare me as i've been uh, very clear but a, a guy that i could see more nba teams warming up to later in the first Well, Matt, thank you so much for answering our questions, but it is now time to play Andrew versus the Beat, your second attempt at Andrew versus the Beat. Matt, of course, has played Andrew versus the Beat. You're familiar with the rules, Matt. There's eight questions. Now, these questions, these eight questions, all about NBA players, but more focused on what they did in college. So you'll start us off by just giving me a number between one and eight, and that will correspond to a question. Let's go lucky number seven. Number seven. Yes. This is a tough one. <laughs> the last NBA player who scored at least 60 points in a game as a collegiate was this Pac-10 player who scored 61 points in a game against California in 2000. This player would go on to have an 11-year NBA career being part of a championship team in 2008. Name that player. 60 points in 2000. I don't know. James Posey. Okay, that's a good guess. That is incorrect. Andrew, would you like to throw out a guess? He was in the 2000 draft? Uh, Not necessarily. That's just when he scored the 61 points. Man, I just have no no clue. The correct answer was Eddie House. Oh, Eddie House. (laughs) 
Yeah. Eddie House actually has he a son that plays uh, in Arizona. Arizona. I would not have got that, but uh, I knew it was a Celtics because if I got 2008 wrong, I would. Uh, I did hear <laughs> yeah. about that from assorted people in my uh, social circles. Okay, Andrew. All right, you're we up. stink. Here we go. Number one. Question number one. This former Denver Nugget is the NCAA all-time leader for career rebounds with 1,673. Oh, my. I don't know. Kenyon Martin? Kenyon Martin. That is incorrect. Ooh. Matt, you have a chance to steal. Antonio McDice? Antonio McDice. That is incorrect. The actual correct answer? It was the Manimal. Kenneth Fareed. Really? Oh, oh that would that? make sense. That would make sense. Okay, scores tied. Zero oh, zero. This is, Matt, this is, hip, this is hipster trivia. Uh, let's go number two. <laughs> do you know? Do you know how <laughs> like great. when I drive to work in the morning, I get so anxious about trivia that I'll turn the station off <laughs> or I like, turn it down even by myself. Like, I think I was Taylor. So I, you're I, just I, miserable I think was, right I think now. Think it was Taylor Swift. I'm like that was Taylor Swift. I'm like, good. I knew that. Come on. <laughs> uh, I think you have a good shot at this one. Yeah, this okay. is, I think, maybe one of the easier ones. We'll see. These two second-round picks from the 2021 NBA draft, the draft that just happened, were first and second in PER during the 2020-2021 college basketball season. Name them both, but I'm going to give you one point per correct answer. Jesus. So they were second-round picks last year, and in that year of college basketball, they were first and second in PER. First and second. Okay. <laughs> Andrew, you look sick. You have he a sick, sick look on your face. I think I have one. Sharif oh, Cooper. Oh, really? Sharif Cooper. That is incorrect. <laughs> Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Luca Garza. That is correct. Luca Garza. Number one in PER. Do you know who is number two? Oh, boy. This would be pretty impressive if you got it. I really don't know. JT Thor? I don't no. know. Correct answer. Plays for the Sixers. Charles Bassey. Jeez. Number two. Um, I don't Garza was a good one, but uh, Bassey was not. Garza, okay. Garza started for the Pistons tonight. He did. They lost. Top of mind. <laughs> they lost. <laughs> they, they did. Uh, okay, Andrew, it's your turn. Up. You're up 1-0. Three. Question number three. When Sam Vecini <laughs> released his big board 1.0 for the 2020 NBA drafts, this is the Anthony Edwards draft, yep. okay. which eventual lottery pick was ranked the lowest at 51st overall? So this is someone who oh, was God. taken in the lottery in 2020, but when Sam released his big board 1.0, this player was all the way down at 51st overall. Um... <laughs> This is very random. I don't know. Jalen Smith? I don't know. Jalen Smith, that's a very good guess. guess. That's what I had. Great guess, but incorrect. Okay, Matt, you have a chance to You can tie it up right here. If you can remember who was taken in the lottery. I do. 2020. I do. Who would be ranked the lowest on Big Board 1.0? So this time of the year? Was it Tyrese Halliburton? Tyrese Halliburton, that is incorrect. It was Devin Vassell. Devin Vassell for the Spurs. I thought he'd be a little bit higher because I thought those Florida State kids were both kind of like lumped together and a little bit higher. Right. Well, you can take it up with Sam and his big board 1.0. All right. Okay, Matt, you're only down one zip. Number four. Number four. One zip. (laughs) Okay. Okay, this one I'm feeling positive about. Listen to this. I know your poker tells now. When you lean and do the voice, I'm wrong, so... (laughs) 
the 2021 NCAA (laughs) all tournament team included three current NBA rookies. Name all three, and you get one point per correct answer. All right, Jalen Suggs. That is correct for one point. Uh, see, I don't think Kispert was good. Um, oh, Davion Mitchell. That is correct. Jared Butler. Can- oh, he got all oh. three in. Matt is ahead three to one. Was, Andrew, oh, you're falling behind. That was a landmine there. I almost said Corey Kispert. Then I remember he had a bad tournament. All right, Andrew, you're now playing catch up, but you can tie it up with this next question. Uh, number five. Question number five. Among current NBA players, Doug McDermott holds the record for most points scored during his NCAA career. Who is number two among current NBA players? Ooh. Among current NBA Did you say total for the career? Yes. Most points scored during their collegiate career. Doug McDermott is number one among current NBA players. Who is number two? Oh, my. So somebody that's played a lot of college basketball. Hmm. It's a good guess. <laughs> oh. Smart. This is uh, boy. This is tough. I'll say Kispert, just because I know he played a lot, but I don't know that he scored enough. He did not. No. Matt, you have a chance to steal. Can I phone a friend? What's, what, can I do 50 50? I'm, I'm trying to think of how. Um... Have you narrowed it down to two in your head? No. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I want to say Peyton Pritchard, but he wasn't good his first two years. I'm just trying to think of, to, to Andrew's point, who played a, a million games. Um, a million games, scored a lot of points, current NBA player. Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard. That is a very good guess, and you're on the right track because it was CJ Steph Curry. Oh, oh really? Oh. Three years? Yeah, he's very good, apparently. I thought you were okay. going to say Lillard. I thought you were going to McCollum. Uh, Actually, uh, it's true. I think McCollum might have been third on that. Uh, okay, we have two questions left. Matt, it is your turn. You're up three to let's one. Let's go six. Mm-hmm. Question number six. Yeah. Of the last ten... NCAA champions, mm-hmm. which is the only championship team that does not have any current NBA players representing them? And you don't have to tell me the year. You can just tell me the school. So Okay. So say so the last 10 championships. Last 10 champions. Only one of those championship teams does not currently have any players oh. in the NBA. And you don't have you to tell me the year? I don't tell you the year. Just have to give me the the school name. Uh, I'm gonna go with a sneaky one and go with Connecticut. That is correct. Yeah, the 2013, that, 14. Right? Yes, that is absolutely yeah. correct. Because he, he's sneaky. Shabazz he just went to Russia. He was in the NBA. That's a good. That is a good trivia question. Okay, that's the first one Matt liked. Matt liked that one <laughs> trivia question. All one the other 16. ones garbage. We're getting there. No, you're good, man. You're, All right, you're, you're good, Andrew. You've officially lost. However, you can save Uh some face by getting this last question correct. When Sam Bassini released his big board 1.0 for the 2021 NBA draft last May, only one of his top 15 players would end up not being drafted in the first round. Who was it? We just talked about this. Is this this Sharif Cooper? No. It is not. Who is it, Matt? It is... Brandon Boston Jr. from Kentucky. 
That is also incorrect. The correct answer was Greg Brown. Wait, where did he have BJ Boston? Uh, He didn't have him in his top 15. Really? Wow, I'm shocked. Uh, I was talking about that. Let me look it up. He might have had 16 or something, but I thought he was a top five guy. Greg Brown definitely makes sense. But we we had just talked about, because when we did uh, our mock draft, the year we we started with, um, we had Keon Johnson in the top 10. We had BJ Boston in the top 10. So because of that, we were like, well, Keon went 21st and BJ went 51st. We just talked about it. the only reason I thought I do. Would you believe that he had BJ Boston as 33rd overall in his big board 1.0? Good for him. Smarter man than me. All right. Well, hey, Matt, you won. Five to one, a dominating victory over Andrew. Congratulations. A Derek Jeter gift package, a down to dunk t shirt or or something. A parting parting farewell to my friends here. I will send you a down to dunk t shirt. I will do that. I will absolutely do that. I I think it's awesome. You you guys just do such a a great job and the support you guys get. The the night you had to Oklahoma City, you guys are the best. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Be sure to follow. Tell us your Twitter handle. Yeah, Matt underscore Penny. I'm there hanging out. And uh, Sam Vecini and I, on, um, I'm uh, lucky enough to be on Sam's show every so often. We're talking a lot of draft stuff. We'll have another Factor Fiction episode recording this week. So uh, check that out on The Athletic. And thanks for so much for having me, guys. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's the best. Thanks so much, Matt. And uh, thanks so much for tuning into our show. Hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy it with your family and with your friends. And we will talk to you guys again next week.